everyone. We are live for a new episode of Electric Podcast. I'm Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraum. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right. Uh, a little different decor for me, a little different setup. I apologize. I hope that the audio is uh, is, is pretty good. Um, I'm uh, I'm not at my usual setup right now. And I forgot just, I, I brought my traveling setup with me. I just forgot one little adapter that changed the whole game. So I don't have my microphone. But uh, I'm using my gaming headset and microphone right now, so hopefully that uh, is going to be enough. And but uh, we have plenty of good uh, electric news for you this week, and we're going to start out a little bit, um, sort of more like high-level discussion about something that we're starting to see—not exactly happening just now, but maybe the first few steps of the first real EV price war. Uh, that would be interesting if it if it does indeed is happening, and uh, I just posted an article on it today that's starting to get some traction. Um, that uh, implies that Tesla sort of started it uh, with that big price drop this week, and Tesla didn't necessarily intend to start a price war. It was kind of, uh, I mean. If you believe what they said, as we discussed last week, they said it's due to cost improvement and everything, but we know that they needed it. They needed the price reduction just to accelerate some demand here. And um, and it's working. Um, we just we just report, uh, reported earlier this week that Tesla is seeing unprecedented demand in the U.S. So we have some good sources within Tesla in the U.S. And uh, they, uh, they told us that uh, many stores are seeing the, re- the record orders, new orders coming in for a single week. So that's awesome. Uh, they even they're even thinking um, if it keeps going at that rate, they believe that they're gonna run out of uh, build slots for for this uh, for this quarter. So when we're talking about not even three weeks into a quarter, this is uh, this is special because n- normally, as you know, like Tesla allocates certain builds, um, like they, they, they calculate their production capacity for a certain market. In the U.S., it's only um, Fremont Factory and Gigafactory Texas now. So they calculate that capacity, how many of which they're going to be exported, how many are going to stay in the local market, and then they start taking order for for that allocation. And normally that doesn't fill up until the end of the quarter, but in this case, it might as it might be already filled up or about to in the next few days. So this is very exciting for Tesla. And obviously uh, this is a combination of the giant price drops and uh, these Tesla being eligible again to the federal tax credit in the U.S. So those two kind of happen together, uh, resulting in the, the cost of acquisition of a new of the new Tesla vehicle greatly uh, being greatly reduced. Uh, we we discussed the pricing last week, so we won't get into the details on that. But we've seen over the last few days and over the last week since Tesla announced those price drop, there's a few companies that already have to reduce their price, uh, expand most notably. Uh, one of the Tesla's closest competitor in China, and um, they um, they saw based on the, the early data coming out of China, they saw their their order drop significantly after Tesla reduced their price. So we were using China as a good example because Tesla reduced the prices in China a week earlier than they did in most of their markets, including the U.S. So it's uh, it's sort of like a preview of what might be coming soon in other markets, including in North America, which obviously we focus more on in in, in on electric so uh expand drop the prices most likely in response to tesla we saw vinfast also we, we obviously a new company but with competition uh, competition in s- similar segments as tesla 
also announcing discounts to counter the the, the Tesla effect with the with the prices. So we might very well be seeing like the very first steps into this this EV price war that could be happening. Um, so I think it's worth exploring like what could be the effect on on the market with that. And obviously, why did I start my title with Tesla started an EV price war that it will likely win is because there's one main metric to follow in a price war is like is who can absorb the the price reductions better and who can do that is who has the best gross margin and ultimately the best net profits and tesla is by far the industry reader uh leader excuse me on that front uh in both cases actually like in gross margin they have massive gross margin here so routers put together some data points here putting some of the biggest companies together and uh Tesla obviously leading in gross margin by a wide margin with Neo actually the closest. So I'm not uh, the one covering Neo, so I'm, I don't follow them too closely. But uh, this is pretty good margin, uh, eight to ten thousand dollars per car. Um, yep. Volkswagen also. Well, no, actually, excuse me, excuse me. It's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, it, it, it's the average compare from uh, 2021, 2022 to Q3 2022. So uh, now the average is 10,000 while it, uh, oh no, it's the other way around for Neo. excuse me. <laughs> this is a bit confusing. The chart is not the best chart I've ever seen. Uh, Neo actually went down, his gross margin went down over the last two years from 10,000 to 8,000. Tesla went up from um, 11,500 to uh, closer to $16,000. Obviously, that was due to the price increases that were steadily coming in over the last two years. But this they're going to take a hit on that. Like, how much? It's going to be hard to tell because uh, we don't have the exact mixes mix of uh, models that Tesla is selling. Uh, but I would assume that it's going to be close to like a 15 20% hit on the gross margin due to like the Model Y most likely being the Model Y long range being the best seller right now. And this, it is the one that saw the biggest price drop at $30,000. All right. Um, BYD also saw a significant drop in its uh, gross margin from $15,000 to $5,000, but still one of the top uh, four leaders. Um, then you can see that the other like three to five thousand dollars is what you see from the, the big companies like Toyota, Ford, GM, Hyundai, and so forth. Now you go to net profit per vehicle, and that's uh, that's even a bigger lead for Tesla. Of course, Q4 2020, that's when Tesla just started um, making profits, so uh, fifteen hundred bucks per car shot up to almost ten thousand dollars per car in Q3, by far the leader in the industry. And then you see uh, BYD uh, GM, excuse me, making two thousand dollars per car. So that's that's the closest competitor to Tesla in net profit. GM at two thousand dollars per car versus almost ten thousand for Tesla. So that's where you can see where there's margin to absorb those big price cuts, and that's Tesla having those margin. Everybody else basically has no room for to, to to decrease their pricing here and then you look at expang and neo obviously not looking good in the very very negative net profits but still i was still impressed with neo having a positive uh, gross margin still a young company still growing up still deploying uh, service centers still expanding in new markets all of these things cost you a lot of money 
that uh, you, you won't see any return on for a while. So it's it's kind of normal. But but this this is uh, might be one of the first like we we've, we've been talking about this for years electric and for a long time. A lot of people thought we were kind of crazy and everything. It was like there's some giants that will fall from this transition to electric vehicles, like some big company that will not survive. And uh, this might be one of the like chapters in the story where you start seeing that happen more in the industry. Like you start seeing the cards fall in place. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, I mean, Tesla has all the their ducks in order. Basically, uh, they they've you know five years ago, ten years ago, they were already thinking about this situation. Uh, they've been ramping up their battery production, which is kind of the the big bottleneck in the industry. Um, so nobody can make as many batteries or order as many batteries as Tesla. Um, they've got their four factories now, kind of you know. Go almost at full full strength. Um, obviously, there's more vehicles in the pipeline, but right now, I think they've spent basically the last two years almost entirely focused on ramping up Model X or sorry, Model Y and Model Three production, mostly Model Y, Correct. which is like you know the sweet spot in the in the world. And I think a lot of people uh, inside and out of Tesla think the Model Y is going to be the biggest seller, biggest selling single vehicle next year in a lot of Almost all, this, you know, this year, a, a this lot year. of markets. This yeah, year. this coming year, yeah, yeah. in twenty twenty three. So, yeah. uh, Tesla is well positioned. Um, they might, not, I mean, as you said, they might not have been thinking price war when, but maybe they were like, "Look, you know, we can make electric vehicles less expensive and and you know more of them than everybody else combined, really," and why not take advantage of that situation while we have it? I mean, before uh, they weren't getting the $7,500 tax credit and now they are, you know, they had run out, the GM had run out as well, but you know, as it stands now, it's like, they've got a lot of like headwinds or what do they call that in investor talk? Like momentum. They, they they've got the the winds are going in the right direction yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. them. So uh, why not? I mean, I feel kind of kind of like the there's so much electric vehicle demand uh, at the current moment that nobody's really freaking out. But you know, once once all the demands kind of filled, uh, you know, people who are thinking about buying a uh, you know Mustang Mach E for sixty thousand, and you know, all of a sudden a, a Model Y for forty thousand shows up. That's kind of like, hmm, let's think about that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, there's going to be some issues uh, ahead. And then, of course, there's the the Toyotas and Hondas and Nissans of the world that have kind of just let the last 10 years go by and are mm -hmm. just coming out with, like, their first or second generation EVs. And, you know, they're coming in high-priced, low-volume. They're not going to do well when you know, there's proven technology out there with Tesla's and some of the other brands. Um, so I agree. I, I don't know if everybody makes it out of this. I mean, companies like Mazda, Subaru, you know, the other thing like with companies like Subaru, Subaru's, you know, focus is all wheel drive. They make really good all wheel drive internal combustion engines, but like now it's not rocket science to have all wheel drive, you know, efficient all wheel drive. Uh, with electric vehicles so what is subaru's adva subaru's advantage now like everybody's doing all-wheel drive 
So I don't know, a lot of factors, um, but I agree with you strongly that uh, somebody's in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are in trouble, but, and the mind share thing is a, is a big part too. So when you're coming from a Tesla, it's, it's, it's hard to switch to something else too. So if you can get them, like a lot of people in early and, and uh, place the order right now, because that's the other thing that people haven't been thinking about too much is like when Tesla increased the prices, they, they did it incrementally over a long period of time. And um, they, they did it while they still had a massive backlog of orders for the Model Y specifically, also for Model 3 in a lot of markets. So what did that do is that Tesla delivered those vehicles over a long period of time. And uh, so even though they were increasing prices, they were still delivering a lot of the cars that were placed on order before those price increases. So these lower price is a time to order and build a giant backlog. And then Tesla can afford to maybe like, again, gradually increase prices where they need to if uh, gross margins are tighter and, and on some specific trims and models. And, uh, and then still enjoy a, a huge backlog of order that they can deliver while still squeezing in a new a few new orders at higher prices. That's basically what happened over the last two years. And Tesla might just have hit the reset button. So I think that, yeah, I think this is going to be a massive problem unless that, like, like I said, I wrote in the post, there's some wild cards still, like the, the biggest one, obviously being Elon, like, you know, we don't know, uh, we don't know what he does with that. Also, but the, the cyber truck might be the big difference too, uh, in, in terms of, um, like the, how smooth they can bring into production. So if it's a smooth production ramp goes to gro uh, gross positive gross margin quickly and, uh, volume production. This is uh, potentially like a, a game changer, obviously, and would put a lot of pressures on company like like Ford with F one fifty Lightning, which I, I have my doubts if they're making any money on it like right now. And uh, same thing maybe for Silverado Electric coming and so forth. Those are going to be like because historically speaking, for U.S. automakers, namely Ford and GM, the big profit centers have been the trucks. So if you can, if you start like taking like big chunks of that, that, uh, that's not a good sign, like 2008, 2009, all over again, especially if we're head back into like an economic downturn on top of it, that is just a cherry on top of the cake. I, yep. I think, um, I think Tesla is sitting pretty with the, I don't know what $20 billion they have in, in their pockets right now. This is the right. big different maker too. Yep. Lots of cash. They can weather any storm. Yeah. All right. Um, this uh, sort of uh, we were noticing sort of a ramp up in communication as Elon Musk became more controversial. So we we discussed this uh, last month a little bit when uh, we we I wrote an op-ed uh, like begging Tesla to <laughs> launch a PR department again. Uh, I mean, in the U.S. and a global PR department because some markets do have PR department. Uh, some. Tesla has some PR department in some markets, like their strong one in China, actually, a decent one in Europe, but uh, in the US and as a global organization, Tesla does not have a PR department, which is just ludicrous. And I won't go into all the reasons again, except for the this one that's more like the newer reason is that everything since the dissolving of the department, everything has been funneled through Elon Musk. He has been a de facto spokesperson and de facto face of Tesla. And uh, as he become more controversial, especially more political, which is not exactly the norm for uh, big tech CEOs, 
for good reason. It's just bad business to be too political. Yeah, um, and and it's in the U.S. There's like a very sharp political divide. So you're yeah. automatically, no matter what it is, anything you say political is going to piss off exactly half of the populace or very close. Yeah. To half. And that's a problem in itself that like the U.S. should definitely work on. And if that wasn't the case, maybe this wouldn't be so much of a problem. But for right. now, it is. And no clear solution in sight, at least not in the short term. So Elon doing what he's doing right now is a big, it's a bad move for Tesla. And I, and then when I say that, that uh, like big tech CEO are not really political, I know that a lot of people like fight back, like claiming that, oh, yeah, but like, well, like all the Silicon Valley people are all woke and everything. And they, like, I mean, there, there, there's difference with like uh, having some like consider like woke policies that people talk about and like openly calling for voting for a certain party and calling the other party, the party of eight and all that. Like uh, this is completely different. Like he's he's actively alienating a big part of the population. And that's just bad business. And um and we've seen that affecting Tesla. We've seen like uh, in terms of surveys, in terms of uh, uh, demand, like these things started to affect Tesla. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so we suggested that Tesla, because of that, Tesla should build itself a stronger voice of its own, not directly linked to Elon. So using its personal social media instead of everything going through Elon's Twitter, um, more direct communication with customers, more blog posts and all that. Basically things that the PR department was doing before. And uh, we're starting to see things happening. So basically, we internally, we noted that Tesla was like doing a lot of more of uh, these threads here. So these threads have been popping up on Twitter, on Instagram, where Tesla is highlighting specific features, uh, existing features, because Tesla always obviously used to post on social media and blog posts, new features being launched, uh, new products, obviously. But now Tesla is just using its voice to highlight existing features and doing more direct communication. So I, I try to see if uh, actual data would back this up. And sure enough, uh, on Twitter, as you can see, like until around October, Tesla was not uh, posting that actively. And then it shut up about 300% on an average over the last four months. So that's, I think, is, is notable. Same thing is happening on Instagram. Like a lot of the, what you see on Twitter is also shown on, on Instagram. Uh, on the stories, though, so it's not as easy to to uh, uh, quantify in terms of data, uh, obviously. Uh, and the blog post, too. Tesla had two blog posts in 2022 before September. And then after September, they had six blog posts. So that's, uh, Tesla sometimes went like a whole year without like with one or two blog posts. So that's... Uh, that's a big change too. So a lot more direct communication with customers, uh, and not officially like distancing themselves from Elon, obviously, but uh, at least building their own voice that doesn't have to go to to through Elon. Because I mean, a lot of people were like a lot of Tesla fans used to follow Elon's Twitter for Tesla news, and now like those Tesla news on his Twitter feed are far and few in, in between, and uh, you a lot have of to noise. Sparse. Yeah, a lot of noise, a lot of conspiracy theory, a lot of uh, just whining about the woke mind virus and all that. <laughs> like, just it's like, uh, like I said before, I'm gonna be back on the Elon bandwagon when he's gonna seem. I'm, I'm not saying that he's more excited about it, but if you follow his Twitter, sometimes it seems like he's more excited by the next QAnon drop than the next uh, than the launch of the Tesla Cybertruck. So, right. Uh, that's what I want to see happen. Like some excitement for Tesla rather than the political 
Big yeah, game. it's it's almost frust- it's frustrating because he kind of kidnapped the Tesla communications and mm-hmm. you know by putting it in his feed of craziness like tons of people including I think you and I mm-hmm. have to look at everything he's talking about which is a lot of craziness and then to find those few you know Tesla news bits um which would be like you know maybe we should create a Twitter account where it's Elon tweets but only Tesla related Oh, that's smart, actually. Yeah, did you just come All up right. with that? Yeah, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> someone by the time this show is yeah. over, and we can actually do something so, about it. Some someone would have done. Send it. me a link. Yeah. Whoever write, whoever does it, yeah. send me a link. I want to get on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll all follow Goodbye. that, and then we'll, and then we'll promote it on the next uh, on the next uh, electric podcast episode. Yeah, that's the deal. All right. Speaking of communication, like that would be one of those things that Tesla should have communicated to buyers here. Oh, clandestine leaving. I didn't write that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Someone chose my headline here. Clandestine leaving. Does that work? Yeah, it works. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, don't, I can't remember. <laughs> I think I had like sneakily or something like that, which I guess. Uh, yeah, it's the uh, brakes on the Model Y performance, which I would argue is the biggest difference between the model Y long range and the model Y performance because you basically have the same powertrain now. You have the bigger wheels, but I mean, that's a plus that's a ne- or a negative depending on how you look at it. I mean, right now I, I have the 20 inch wheels on my Model T performance in Quebec in the winter. And I can tell you that uh, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm really tired. I would, I would kill for some 18 inch wheels right now, but um, uh, which I can because of the bigger brakes, but <laughs> that's another story. Uh, so yeah, the bigger brakes are the bigger difference. So, so there is, of course, the faster acceleration, faster top speed, but those are just software locked, basically. So so the powertrain is the same. But you do sort of need bigger brakes in the rear in order to um, handle that, that higher power that is unlocked. So yeah, uh, they had this big ass Brembo brake, like the very like top notch, uh, top of the line brakes uh, or caliper, I should say, in the back. In the in the front, uh, it was always the same. But um, ZEV centric with the they build accessories for Tesla vehicle, they are the one who found this out here that Tesla actually changed the Model Y performance brakes in the back for smaller brakes, not as thick brakes. Uh, the rotor is two millimeters, not as thick, and the calipers are smaller. And uh, no one noticed it. Like we don't know exactly when it happened, too, obviously. Uh, but based on uh, ZV centric, what they saw in terms of their customer vehicle and their own vehicles, it happened sometime before September. And um, or at least the first vehicle that started showing up with these new brakes, where our Mendo brakes uh, started showing up in September. And um, and the weird thing about it is Tesla put a cover on them to sort of hide them hide the smaller caliper which is which is kind of uh misleading it is deceptive <laughs> like you don't you wouldn't know unless you well i mean you, you, the kind of way if, if you really dig into them you can actually see but uh, it's hard, a lot harder to realize whether you have the new brakes or you don't uh so that's kind of a, a bad move and uh zv centric uh kind of is literally asking tesla to, to to send them the brembo brakes because they paid the same price for it as they would if they had the, the brakes on them and uh and now they they don't and tesla never communicated the difference they never said anything about it so it is uh good old tesla communication right there not telling you anything 
All right. Um, oh, we're talking about Tesla price decreases, but there was a price increase this week for the ARM charging station, the Tesla wall connector. So that's that was kind of a surprise here because uh, Tesla actually dropped the price of that thing a lot while they were increasing the price of the car. And then they also took it out. Uh, like they, they made, uh, sorry, they made it more, not, not necessary, they, they, they made it, more useful by removing the mobile charger that came with the, the, the vehicle. So now you kind of want uh, a home charging solution because some other people were just using the mobile charger at home. You don't like, that's what I was doing here uh, on my condo. I was just using the, the one that came out of the car. Same. But, but uh, now that they took that off, uh, either you buy one of those or you buy a wall connector at home. And uh, Tesla had decreased the price to $350 in December, which made it like the lowest ever and made it also the cheapest uh, 48 amp level two home charger that has Wi-Fi by far. Uh, but now that this week, Tesla decided to increase the price by 20% to uh, $425. So now it's even higher than it was before December, uh, before the, the big price decrease in December. So not sure what this is doing here. Maybe they're trying to recuperate some of the gross margin through the wall connector, uh, but uh, obviously that will make a big difference. And uh, of course, we reported also last month Tesla started um, selling it to Best Buy for the first time to third parties, and uh, the price went up at Best Buy too. So I don't think that's gonna. Uh, there was there was a lag uh, as soon as the uh, yeah I think there was like maybe like a three or four hour lag, and I know a lot of yeah. people made the move to go on Best Buy as soon as they saw it going up. But uh yeah. It's still Maybe I some... mean it's still it's still the best value out there. I don't know what uh I don't know what what the kind of thinking was there. Um you know maybe I, I think those J adapters that you get uh that you can charge uh non-Tesla EVs with uh are like 75 bucks. So I think uh, maybe some people were doing that instead of buying the other product or something. I don't know. Yeah, that could be a solution. But yeah, you're right, though. It's still like the best value. Even at 425 bucks, it's still the best value. Um, all right, this is interesting. I don't know if you remember this. We talked about this a few months ago, uh, the Battery Passport. So this is an initiative from the uh, Global Battery Alliance. And... Um, they are trying to build a system to track every material inside the battery, which is obviously a problem right now uh, for the federal tax credit uh, that requires a percentage of the battery materials to come from certain countries. So now it's going to be a lot easier to trace, but also it's going to be just a, a better a, a better understanding of where your battery comes from down to every single material because that has been an, basically an attack vector from... Uh, EV naysayers that say like oh like the, the mining is worse than uh, uh, than burning gas and 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 drilling for petrol which is obviously nonsense but it, it if we can track every material better too it's going to be easier to to show exactly how what is the impact of building a battery and then of obviously it's also when you recycle it and the battery passport actually is going to account for recycled material in it now it's nothing obviously because most batteries are still in operation so it doesn't have much of an impact so what happened this week is that the first proof of concept of that battery passport is coming out and tesla and audi are the first two to participate in it as we previously reported 
uh, a Tesla executive and a, an executive from the Investment Quebec group are the two people uh, leading that battery passport project. So it makes sense that Tesla is the first one to try it. Though Tesla only did it for Cobalt. So they uh, they put together this um, this little tracker here that shows like a, only 1% of the battery materials are accounted for. Again, only Cobalt, so it's nothing. So this is for a battery that Tesla the battery pack that Tesla builds in China, so 78.05 kilowatt hours. So it's the long range, uh, probably long range model three, long range model Y battery pack uh, using chemistry NCM M50. So it's a nickel uh, cobalt manganese chemistry. And uh, the battery cell is built by uh, LG Energy Solution in China. So a lot of, already a lot of uh, interesting little tidbits of information. When you go to materials, that's where like the information gets a little bit less because again, it's just cobalt. Uh, so yeah, cobalt. Hundred percent of the cobalt from that battery comes from Glencore Comado Copper uh, Company, which is in the Diplomatic Republic of Congo, which is a problematic area for cobalt. But here's the good news. So like that's that's one of the things that. Uh, like that again, I, I like to use the word attack vector. That's been an attack vector for people. They uh, they've been saying okay, like cobalt all comes from artisanal mines in Congo where you use children and you use people in terrible like mining condition and like that's I that's true that's that that's true and that's a real problem that needs to be addressed. However, most of the cobalt does not come from those kind of operation because it's not an efficient way to operate a mine. It's just not. And the Glencore Kamado mine is not like that. It's nowhere near an artisanal mine. It's a very much by very modern. I don't know if I would go as far as saying very modern, but it, it uh, compared to artisanal mine, it looks extremely modern. But it's EV machinery. It's qualified people working there and uh, hopefully well paid. I don't, I don't know exactly the salary there, but like if you look at the mining operation, it's not an artisanal mine. So that's that's at least that's good. Uh, Audi also participated in it, and uh, Audi had a little bit more. Uh, information in theirs so it's about uh they didn't say the model but based on the information here i would assume that's uh oh 114 kilowatt hour that would be maybe like the what's the new uh gt maybe yeah maybe the gt you're right uh the seller produced in Hungary by samsung that's interesting they use an nca chemistry so a lot of cobalt in that too and then you look at the materials. So now you have both cobalt and lithium. So it accounts for actually 10% of the materials in the battery pack. So a lot more than uh, Tesla was doing. Um, this, I'm not sure, like it was reviewed in progress. So it's not exactly clear, but because it's split up in a different percentage of cobalt, but it all comes from the DRC, so the Congo. Um, and LCM means large scale mining. So I guess they don't tell you the exact mine here. So this is, uh, I assume the review in progress will tell us the mines and it's going to come for like three different mines. That's my understanding from the, from this, but they haven't confirmed them yet. And um, LSM, I would assume that <clears throat> it's less us know that they can at least confirm that it's not artisanal mine, but obviously I would like to know the actual names of the mines so that we can confirm that for ourselves. Uh, same thing for lithium, LSM, Chile. They don't tell us the actual supplier here. A lot of lithium mining in Chile, obviously. Well, it's obviously. Not, not everyone know that, I guess. All right. I'm moving on from Tesla news. 
and uh, we're 30 minutes into the show. If you do enjoy the show, please give us a thumbs up, a like, subscribe, notification button, all that good stuff. It helped the show tremendously. Of course, only do it if you do like it. And uh, we, um, if you're listening on your podcast app right now, you and you enjoy the show, please give us a five-star review that helps the show tremendously. It takes a second to do, and we read every single one of them. And uh, if uh, you have any questions for us, you can put them in the comment section right now because we are live and we're going to take your questions when we are done with three more news items that we want to discuss real quick. And then we're going to get into your questions in just a few minutes. All right. Uh, the new Volvo C40, XC40 EVs are um, the new, um, well, I guess it's a 2023 version. Yeah, it's hard to know. say right now. Uh, yeah. It's like right in the middle of the, the model year. Yeah, it's kind of late for a 2022 version. But uh, they are being released with uh, improved range, faster charging, and a rear-wheel drive option. So not much is new in terms of the refresh. Like There's a small refresh, but you would recognize the C40 and XC40, which obviously the only difference is the, what do you call that? Like the, uh, the, the sport, the coupe back, the sports coupe back, I guess. That's, uh, yeah. Sports back. Uh, here you go. So the um, you let's go with the EPA. Now the single motor gets um, 240 for the XC, 245 for the C. If you go with the single motor but extended range, you go up to 270, 275. So that's uh, that's decent increase. That's big, yeah. And why don't we have the twin motors? Well, I mean, if you maybe, look at maybe the, it hasn't been rated yet. Yeah, if you look at the WLTP. It should be just just under two. It's going to be between the two of them, so probably around two sixty, I would say, around two sixty miles of range on a single charge. That would make sense. Um, a three percent increase in output for the rear-wheel drive motor. Uh, yeah, they 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 got the increased range uh, through if, uh, cooling efficiency improvement because the battery pack is still a 69 kilowatt hour battery pack for the standard one and an 82 kilowatt hour battery pack for the extended range one. Uh, and uh, yeah, what's up with the twin motors? Okay, instead of having 200 two uh, exact 150 kilowatt, they now have an 183 on the uh, rear axle and 117 in the front axle. And conveniently, it adds up to 300 kilowatts. Yeah, the same as uh, before, but having but they're more... geared differently normally. Like having yeah. two different power, like one is going to be more geared towards like cruising on the highway, where the other one is going to be more for city driving. So you do generally tend to have some efficiency improvements with that. Yeah. All right. One, um, one more yeah. Yeah. It's Sorry. good to see these. I mean, one of the bigger complaints about the XC40 and the C40 was the range wasn't nearly as as far as uh, Model Y or yeah, even uh, kind of the competitors like from Hyundai and Kia. So it's good to see. Yeah, and and like a lot of these legacy automakers going into EVs. They were big on like on battery buffer and not having like a big efficiency. So if they can do efficiency improvement and not instead just sticking bigger batch back in there, that's a good trend uh, that we want to keep going that way. All right, that was your post this week, Seth. This uh, you, you called this BYD a Chinese knockoff of the Bolt EV. I know, I know. I I got <laughs> some 
flack for that. And and <laughs> I'm not saying that China is a knockoff uh, manufacturing hub or anything like that. But it just, I mean, if you scroll down a little bit, the the they yeah, they've I mean, the, yeah, the side the side viewer definitely right that it does look like it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it it's not exact, yeah, it but it's good. also like kind of seems remarkably similar. Anyway, uh, what's interesting about it is that the specs on this, uh, so it costs like eight, just under nine thousand dollars in China, obviously, Um, and they're exporting it to a bunch of places: um, Brazil, Chile, (laughs) um, so a bunch of places in Latin America, which is like we know don't get a lot of EVs currently. Uh, So that's good to see. so the price is eight, eight or nine thousand bucks uh, at the base level, and they have you know higher trims and faster trims. But the you know what do you get for that? You get about a third of the battery, a little bit more than a third of the battery as a bolt. So you're talking, or maybe a half the battery. It's like a thirty kilowatt hour battery, and you get about a third of the power, and that's going to be uh, about a seventy five uh, horsepower motor. Um, which obviously uh, will get a lot more range out of a smaller battery because, um, you know, you're not able to kind of juice it. Um, so these they're talking about 300 uh, kilometers uh, WLTP cycle. So, you know, in, in reality, probably closer to 200 miles. Uh, still pretty solid, like especially for, you know, an $8,000 car. Um, and I think one of our commenters was like, you know, this is basically like the Yugo of electric vehicles. Jose Venegas said that. So, uh, for better or worse, like the you know Latin America and you know other markets that are maybe not uh, used to very expensive cars, uh, they need EVs too. Uh, the world needs everybody to go to EV. So, good for the good for everyone. Yeah, it's definitely an option in an underserved market. Uh is uh city cars yep. all right the uh, earths and uber have been like these uh, unlikely partners in electrification over the last um two years in a big way really uh since hertz um, had this giant hoarder of a hundred thousand tesla vehicles that they deployed in uh, north america and uh, fifty thousand of them ended up going to uber to to enable their like to for the drivers to be able to rent them through Earth so that they can offer the ride sharing services and uh, that's been a very successful program. Uh, actually, we learned that uh, this week nearly fifty thousand Uber drivers have rented Tesla through this program, so they basically all been rented out already. And um, now they are expanding it to Europe, and uh, they said that they're going to start with twenty five thousand new electric vehicle going to the European capital cities by 2025, so over the next two years. And uh, they said that it's gonna include Tesla vehicles and Polestar's vehicles because uh, uh, after the 100,000 Model 3 vehicles, Hertz also added Tesla Model Y vehicles and then the Polestar 2. So the same ones are gonna be offered in European cities. Uh, so that's great news for electrification. I mean, 25,000 is not a giant number, but I think the big thing too is like, a lot of uh, Uber driver, they might like get into it through that, and uh, and then decide maybe I'm, I want my own vehicle to uh, to Uber with electric uh, vehicles, and and uh, that creates kind of like a snowball effect, and a lot of uh, ride sharing services are I think are just going to go all electric just because it's 
it makes so much sense uh, with how much uh, gas savings you, you get if you're driving a lot like like you do when you're a ride-sharing driver. That's interesting. Um, what GM used to have a company, a subsidiary called Maven, yeah, that would uh, kind of rent out <clears throat> Chevy Bolts to uh, Uber drivers, mm-hmm. um, but they I think they shut that down. Yeah, um, but it, but it, it's a good model for a couple of reasons. One, the drivers are like, hey, like electricity is really cheap compared to gas. Like maybe this is something I should really do in real life. Um, but it also makes the you know, the barrier to entry a lot lower for uh, Uber drivers. And maybe some Uber drivers don't, you know, maybe they live in New York and they don't <coughs> own a car or they, uh, you know, they don't want to get their their car full of uh, passengers or something. So it, I think it's a good thing all around. And obviously there's money to be made in that space. So good for that. Good for everyone. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to the comments. All right. Has anyone gotten photos of Tesla semis charge connector? I feel like we've seen something like. I mean, we, we've seen the first one that they made, but uh, now Tesla is making it sound like uh, the regular connector is going to be the nah. charger connector ultimately. Yeah, the uh, North American charging standard uh, charger. We'll see if that happens. All right, uh, Andrew C. Question: Does Rivian's financial situation make you guys cautious about buying one, future service parts, etc.? I mean, that that's certainly a concern. Um, the one thing Rivian does have going for them is they have enough cash to get through the next, you know, year or two. But they're not making progress in in getting the cost of their vehicles down on a per vehicle basis. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, friend? No, exactly that. I mean, uh, I think this next uh, earnings is going to be important. I'm going to take a close look at it and see uh, if there's any meaningful improvement in gross margin. And if there's not with 10,000 vehicles produced last quarter, uh, I think uh, I think there's going to be some serious questions to ask uh, in terms of uh, do they have the ability to turn this around because it's one thing saying like, yeah, they have a ton of cash to last like maybe a year, two years of, of this this trend going. But at the same time, now they've been in production for a very year and we have seen no meaningful improvement in gross margin, no meaningful improvement after a year. And now they achieve volume production in many ways. 10,000 vehicle a quarter is decent volume production. So like how much more leeway can we give them? That's my question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, uh, Seth Love, uh, probably not what I'm thinking. They have the charger infrastructure set up too. That helps. He's referring to uh, Tesla. Yep. Uh, yeah, having the advantage over the, uh, I guess, legacy automakers. Uh, if you ask me, like in 2014, 15, do I think that Tesla is going to be the only one still in 2023 to have the only like global charging network, brand look branded Tesla branded for the automaker i would be not that's crazy like someone else will catch up at this point nope no one has crazy i mean i guess you could say volkswagen has the electrify america network but not not not, not really not not catching up anyway uh jesse C- C- strand i've always been disappointed with subaru they tell such a great story with very little substance beneath it they should have been the first to make an electric in my opinion I agree. Uh, you know, they're about the woods, about being green, about 
you know, all-wheel drive. It seems like perfect fit. I think they are. Uh, that's a result of their environment, though. Like they are based in Japan, and Japan has had some serious link to hydrogen fuel cells that has slowed down a lot of uh, Japanese companies' commitment to all electric vehicles. Are unfortunately. Uh, Richard Kuehl says, why can't the new Giga Texas plant do the midnight cherry red or quicksilver paint jobs like Giga Berlin is doing? What do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, I would assume that Tesla has invested into the same or similar like advanced paint technology in Texas as they did in, in Berlin, but uh, apparently not. Otherwise, uh, that would be the case. Yeah. All right, here's a good question. Did the Bolt really start the price war? Uh, it would have no. if yeah. if uh, GM had made it more compelling and made a million more vehicles, but they didn't. Yeah. So. Also, there's just like the price point. There was I, I it was not even already like big competitor to Model Three. Like, so just making it even much cheaper. It's for like a segment of the buy the buyers that. Uh, like they're still completely open in the kind of the form factor that they want. And like, <laughs> it's because the big thing with the bolt is that you, long distance travel is not really a, an, a, it's an option, but it's not convenient. Right. Question. If Tesla has billions saved, should they reduce margins to their cars or do share buybacks? In my opinion, for growth, cut prices, plus open their supercharging network. What do you think? So, for growth uh like i mean for cut prices cut, cut prices doesn't make sense with their cash on end like cash on end is just like you're not going to use your cash on end to to give discounts on uh, on the cars as for growth and uh, the charging network like tesla the thing with tesla is like i believe then when Elon Musk says we are spending our cash as fast as we can do it efficiently. It's hard to spend on much cash Tesla is making. Like Tesla is spending a lot of cash every quarter. Like Tesla is billions and billions of dollars in, in expenditure. So uh, that's hard to spend efficiently. Like if you just say, okay, like we have $20 billion cash right now, like this quarter we'll just spend an extra $5 billion on a bunch of things. It's like that, that $5 billion won't get you $5 billion worth of thing because you won't be able to efficiently spend that cash. Uh, during that quarter, during that period of time. So, no, I, I think, well, a share buyback program would make sense because of like just how low the shares are. Uh, obviously, at the same time, it feels like it's only compensating for Elon selling shares. So, it kind of feels weird in that sense that using company money to counter a huge impact that the CEO himself had that the company by selling. So there's something kind of sketchy about that. I don't think there's anything like illegal about it or anything like that, but I just, it doesn't feel right to me, but I don't know, maybe like dividends or uh, I, I don't know, something like that would make sense just to like compensate the, uh, the shareholders who had a tough, tough year. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, getting to politics, is there any good data on the number of liberal-leaning customers of Tesla? With California being the biggest market, it would seem to be like it's pretty high. I think it's pretty high. Uh, I would say 70% probably uh, lean liberal, if not higher. What do you think? I mean, you did send me like a survey about that this week that shared right. something around those percentages you just gave, and they said like there was no meaningful change. 
uh, on the conservative side, at least. So meaning that uh, while Tesla has definitely alienated some liberals, it has not gained conservative to compensate for it. Uh, but that survey was extremely limited. I, lose, I look at the methodology and it was like, a, I don't know, like a few hundred people. It was not crazy. So I don't know, like uh, like you said, I mean, Tesla's biggest market is California, which is obviously a more liberal state. And um, so also just for personal experience, I would I would say that uh, though they are conservative people that just like, they want a great car in Tesla. For sure. Tesla sells great cars. So like, uh, and they're not like, as long as they're not closed up to the idea of electric vehicles, which a lot of conservative are mm. just from, unfortunately, the way they consume news, yep. uh, they consume news from places that have been more willing to take money from oil companies and share misinformation over the years. That has been less of the case lately. Uh, and that's a good thing. But the impact is still being felt. I was talking to someone about it earlier this week. Like uh, she was telling me uh, one of her friends, uh, she was describing like why he didn't like electric cars and everything. It was and she, literally like everything she, she was listing that he was saying was like all points that I, that have been proven misinformation by other companies. So you see that impact is still there for other people that we need to right. we need to counter counter that. Otherwise, uh, uh, it will slow down electrification and it, and it has and it still is slowing it down. Great. All right, uh, John Kechagas. There are 18-inch aftermarket rims uh, that fit over the Model 3 performance brakes. Hey, uh, hey, hey, send that my way, John. Yeah, where, where's the Give link? Give me a dude? link. Give me a link. Oh, maybe we're not allowed links. So Give me the name of the company or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'll something. check that out. I need to... <laughs> I'll check Write that it out. out. All right, Jonathan Root. Uh, when QAnon conspiracies are more important than the mission of clean transport, you've been duped by the algorithm. Uh, yeah, that's... Elon has been due by uh, an algorithm that he now owns. <laughs> right. Uh, Stefan Frockjar, a lot of interesting vowels there. Uh, well, the break story just just show that Tesla is trying to make more money for themselves, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of cost cutting from Tesla. That's what I wrote in an article, like uh, removing like the lumber support on the passenger side and uh, the ultrasonic sensor and all that. Like those are all things that people like raise eyebrows at because like it seems like unnecessary. And that's one of them. Like okay, like they probably save a few bucks on this, but Model Y performance was probably already like the biggest gross margin that they had right now. So kind of felt un unnecessary. Yep. All right, so uh, our Elon Tesla only tweet uh, bot uh, apparently has been created in, using Python code and chat GBT. <laughs> so that's that's very exciting. We'll just uh, take that link whenever you have it. Yeah. Um, fun fact, this is actually interesting if it's true, and I, we need to see evidence. Mm -hmm. uh, if you end up canceling delivery of your Tesla, wait until the last minute. You'll get a coupon for $200 off or a free charger. Uh, if anybody wants to try this and send us a video of uh, th that happening, we would love to write yeah. a story on it. Yeah. Um, hopefully, that's uh, hopefully we can get some people some chargers and some yeah. cash. I guess. Uh, Jesse C. Strand, why would Volvo have a call with a much a car with a much smaller range compared to others? I love the C40, but I can go much further in my Model Y, which keeps me from changing. I yeah, I agree. I think Volvo does all the all the things that kind of new. EV companies do. They have a huge battery buffer. 
Um, they probably don't do the optimistic uh, mileage that uh, companies like Tesla have started to employ. Um, the C40 and the XC40 are not terribly aerodynamic cars. They're kind of uh, chonky in the front. So they could they're probably... They're high, look, too, right? Yeah. yeah, they're high and they have big tires as well, which is great for stuff like, you know, off-road or, uh, you know, other things, but not super aerodynamic. So they didn't, they didn't kind of bend to those things. Uh, but Volvo's, you know, making the right moves and i'm actually really excited to see the uh what is that the ex90 that yeah. car looks re really nice mm -hmm. um okay here's a not best question is tesla shanghai exposed to the china demographic crisis and i think that is the china demographic crisis is elon tweeting about china's population no longer growing uh which <coughs> which I think is probably a little silly to, to equate. So what do you think? I mean, um, well, specifically just the Shanghai, like the, the factory or like you, you mean the market, like obviously if the population is not growing, the market is not growing. So like, yeah. that, that will have an impact on any company, but I don't know why Tesla Shanghai particularly, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think maybe we're running out of workers to throw at this thing. Yeah. Um, any guess when someone brings an EV like the BYD Seagull to the U.S. market with lower price than a Civic or Corolla? Who and when? I mean, a Corolla. So I just looked up the Corollas like twenty one something, and the Civic starts at twenty five. We've already got the Chevy Bolt. Yeah, it's, at, it's already done. It's happened. Also, cost of the ship gets even cheaper than that. And uh, and yeah, I mean, um, can't like if you're talking specifically about the BYD Seagull. Uh, Candy tried to do it in the U.S. Oh, yeah, at one point, about but that. that didn't work out. Yeah, I think uh, you know by the time you do all the things like airbags and making cars quite safe and giving them reasonable power and range, then you start getting you know up to twenty five thousand. So I think the Bolt is probably the best you're going to get for a little while. Um, how would you compare Rivian's challenges to Tesla's ramp in the 2017-2019 production hell phase? Uh, yeah, I mean, th that's the good question, obviously. However, like you cannot compare it perfectly because if if you compare just the production, um, again, Tesla had already been able to build a car at a, with a positive gross margin in volume and similar volume as Rivian is doing right now, and that car was the Model S. So now, 2017, 2019, that was the Model 3, the issue. And uh, that was a whole new volume level that Tesla was trying to achieve. And yeah, there was a ton of issues, and Tesla was on the brinks of bankruptcy during that time. Uh, had a lot less cash on in than Rivian around that time. That's true also. But uh, Tesla was much quicker to turn a positive gross margin even though they didn't turn a positive net profit around that time gross margin was positive and we're just not seeing that from rivian not even close so yeah we need to see something happen all right here's something that i think a lot of people are thinking right now uh, i now have to separate the car tesla from the man elon i love the car but sometimes cringe when elon does says stuff here's here's yep. an in informal thing what if what if you had a bumper sticker to put on your car and it said, I, I, you know, I bought this car before Elon went full Elon. Would that be, 
or I love the car, but I don't support Elon or something like that. Right. Maybe people are still buying the car and even without wanting to encourage Elon. Yeah. Like I, I would not like if you're in a market for a good EV right now and you have the budget to buy within Tesla. I'm not not recommending Tesla like because of the CEO is saying some stupid things on social media. Uh, it's still, I think, the best option, especially with the price drop. Like especially if you can get one of those like Gigafactory Texas model uh, Y at like fifty thousand dollars before tax credit, man. If you can get like a forty-three, forty-four, forty-five thousand dollars model Y, that's a that's a good deal right there. Yep. All right. Uh, here's a quick one on uh, Tesla Model Y order page. It says seventy-five hundred dollars federal tax credit is in effect for deliveries until March twenty-twenty-three. Is that accurate? Please share your thoughts. Well, it, it's until March twenty-twenty-three when the yeah the battery chemistry thing kicks in. Yeah, or or at least they're gonna release the guidance for it. Like it was supposed to kick in this month, but uh, they haven't made clear exactly how that's gonna work the requirements. So IRS is supposed to give an update, and and basically the, there's a three months grace period happening right now where we don't they don't have to get into the weeds about the battery pack in order to get the full tax rated. So yes, it is accurate, and it might still keep the 7500 past March or it might not that will depend on what the IRS in terms of the needy greedy stuff regarding the both the battery materials requirements and also the battery uh, manufacturing requirements all right uh Norm SM says Wall Street Journal published today that Elon's December Tesla stock sale might trigger SEC investigation Have you seen that one yet yeah I've seen it and uh it's a lot of conjuncture to be honest like uh uh it's basically claiming that elon might have knowledge that tesla had some issues with demand but Tesla has never even acknowledged them in issues anyway so it's not right. like so it, it's it, it, yeah it's it's hard to tell really and and also it's not like elon was selling stocks before the demand issue became more clear to the market and led to further drop in price, he didn't do it to like save himself a few bucks on that. He did it because Twitter was losing a ton of money and didn't have any revenue and uh, was about to go bankrupt. So he needed to funnel a few billion dollars through it. And the only way he can do that is by selling Tesla stock. So uh, even if there is an SEC investigation, it's going to found that uh, Elon didn't do it um, maliciously. He did it because uh, he had no other option. And the guy is like, you, I don't like how Elon is selling his stocks to Tesla and funneling the money to Twitter. I think it's dumb. I think I think is is his idea that he can turn Twitter into this beacon of free speech is completely delusional. I think that at best you can make Twitter a less fucked up place. Uh, but you will never make it a place where like good discourse happened. There might be some good discourse, but 99% of Twitter will always be nonsense in my opinion. You can maybe get that down to like 95%, but like, uh, is that making a beacon of free speech? I don't think so. But he's still completely allowed to sell stocks at Tesla and funnel it to the like garbage fire that is Twitter. Uh, there's nothing illegal about that. Yeah. If anything, if anything, if there's if there's anyone at fault around this issue, is the board, is Tesla's board, where Tesla should have uh, communicated 
to investors that they were having some demand issues, but they decided not to. All right, last comment. Oliver Guerino says, earlier today, a video on Tesla's YouTube channel was released, informative short piece about the heat pump. Would like to see more stuff of that coincides with increased activity of Tesla on socials. We were actually just talking about that before the show. Uh, yeah. I agree. Uh, but uh, you know what I think that is, though? Because uh, Tesla released a video in China, very similar video, just a few right. days prior. So I think Tesla is just like recycling like the work of Tesla's uh, Tesla China PR, basically. I think yeah, that's but I what's mean, happening. Well, I don't know if they're recycling it, but they're kind of riffing on it, I guess. Yeah. All right. That's uh, it. For maybe comments. one last question from William. Thank okay. you. Are you guys satisfied with the Tesla semi specs and data? Uh, no, we discussed that a bit before, but uh, no, we would like to have a bit more data in terms of. Uh, of the weight of the tractor, the exact weight of the tractor itself, so we can stop speculating with the uh, cargo capacity. That would be nice. We know, like we know, that Tesla has a limit of eighty-two thousand, like any uh, class eight electric trucks. But uh, to know the exact cargo capacity, we know to know the weight of the of the truck plus the weight of the trailer. So uh, we don't have that. That's the big thing missing. And then we'd like to know an update on the price. I don't. I don't think that is the same price that was announced in two thousand seventeen. But uh, we don't have anything on that. So. That's it. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening right now. If you're still listening an hour and one minute to the show, we appreciate you greatly. You're one of the real ones. And uh, we're going to see you same time, same place next week. Have a great one, guys. Stay safe this weekend. Bye-bye.